This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. Hello and welcome to our latest Smarter Lawcast. My name is Susie Dobby and I am a senior associate in the corporate and commercial team at Hall & Wilcox and also a member of the firm's technology and digital economy group. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land we are meeting on today. I recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and to all First Nations people joining us. So this season, we will be looking at the latest trends in tech. Our first episode in this series coincides with International Women's Day. The theme for this year's International Women's Day is Cracking the Code, Innovation for a Gender Equal Future. This theme builds on the idea that by embracing new technologies and advancing women's skills and knowledge in science, technology, engineering and maths, collectively and commonly known as STEM, we can accelerate our progress towards gender equality. And today I am lucky enough to be joined by two pretty amazing women who deal a lot with technology, uh, but from two very different vantage points. First up, we have my friend and colleague Jasmine Coe, who is a co-lead of our Frank Group, which is our dedicated startup practice that supports entrepreneurs with practical and responsive business solutions. And Frank Lab, which is our accelerator program. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you, Susie. And our second guest today is Andrea Koch. Andrea is a consultant, entrepreneur, and advisory board member in the digital agriculture and agtech space. She is the owner and principal at Agtech Ideation and the CEO of DigiSoil, a digital agricultural startup. We were also lucky enough to have Andrea as a member of our 2022 Frank Lab cohort. Andrea, you are a very busy lady. Thank you so much for making the time and welcome. Thank you so much. Very happy to be here. So I thought we would start today by asking you both to perhaps give us some perspective about your lens on gender equality and how technology will make a difference in the future. Andrea, did you want to take the lead on this and yeah, sure. give us your views? Absolutely. So my lens on this um, discussion and conversation is agriculture and specifically around digital agriculture and ag tech. I grew up on a farm. I'm from a I'm fifth generation from a farming family based in South Australia. So I sort of have agriculture in my DNA. And I also have now a digital um, ag startup, which is called Digisol, as you've mentioned. Um, yeah, so that's my, you know, we're now seeing the rapid digitization of agriculture as we're seeing the digitization of the broader economy and agriculture is obviously not ex excluded from that. And what's happening now is that we're moving from decades of focusing on precision agriculture, which was all about using technology to increase in efficiency and productivity in all the various farming systems and, you know, Australian agriculture has been a great uptaker of technology and of precision agriculture technology. But we're moving now towards digitised or digital agriculture, which is much more about data capture on farms, using sensing technologies um, for big data analysis and using it to drive autonomous machinery and robotics and different sort of equipment. And then for that data to be passed across the farm gate and along the supply chain all the way to the consumer. So that's quite a different proposition because we've gone from focusing 
within the farm gate on the farm using technology on the farm to now data which is streaming all the way along the, the supply chain and offering up a whole lot of new value along supply chains and to the consumer at the consumer end as well so over the past six years in Australia we've seen um, you know quite a vibrant ag-, ag tech sector blooming and we're sort of in transition now I think to that digital agriculture uh, outlook yeah so that's the lens that I bring in with regards to gender equity and gender equality I haven't really talked publicly about my views on gender equality before although of course I do have personal views about it and I have my own personal journey um, and I think I've just been sort of of the view where you just get on with it. But I recently talked to a woman who has a tech startup in another sector, not in agriculture, in another tech sector. And I was really shocked to hear her say that she's had trouble raising funds. And she told, she's been told that she needs to get a male co-founder. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And since hearing that, I've sort of found out that that is actually quite a common thing, much more common than I realised. Um, and I admit that I hadn't really thought about it before, but now I am starting to think about how much of an issue this is for women in startups. And so, yeah, that's one, one of the reasons why I thought I'm, I might come on and, and have a talk about what's happening in digital agriculture. No, look, I agree with you. It's, it is quite a, a, an alarming statistic. I think it's something like only 2% of global VC funding goes to female-led startups, which is, yeah. uh, I, I, it's it's a bit of a shocking statistic and I don't quite understand why, uh, yeah. why it's that way. Uh, but nonetheless, very glad to hear that your experience hasn't been anything like that. And you've. Yeah. Yeah. You've, well, so far it hasn't. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm about to do my first race, so I might hit a brick wall and realise that there, that it does exist in the ag tech sector as well. But I don't think it does. And certainly we've had some incredible female founders in Australia in yep. the ag tech sector, really amazing women who are absolute role models for me and, you know, yep. kind of shine the light for me really, which is great. Women like Roz Harvey, who started up The Yield, Olympia Yaga with GoTerra, um, Emma Weston, who's the CEO and co-founder of AgriDigital, Agri Bridie Olson at Giora, Anastasia Volkova, who has Regrow Ag and, you know, is doing amazing things in the US, um, Lindsay Jackson with Platform, Flavia Tata Nardini, who's got fleet space technologies in Adelaide. So, you know, it, it, we just have all these incredible women who were, at, you know, at the pitch talks and at the events and, you know, so women are in the space. So I guess that's one of the reasons why it just never occurred to me that women would have a hard time in the ag tech sector because there are all these amazing women already doing fantastic things. Frankly, mm. glad it hasn't occurred to you. Thank you. That's, that's, <laughs> well, it hasn't occurred. Yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't, but yeah, I don't think it will. I mean, I just think, yeah, I think, I think it'll be okay. Mm. And just on that note, Jasmine, I'll flick to you because, <laughs> of course, being the co-head of Frank, and I know, I know firsthand the person that uh, runs the yeah the vast majority of that and, and is on the ground with a lot of the founders. Do you find have you found that that our women founders struggle to raise capital? Absolutely. Um, yep. I think that statistic alarmingly that you, that you uh, mentioned before that you know a, a, a shockingly small amount of VC funds go to uh, women founded startups is in fact 
it's the reality for many female founders we have found. And I think part of the the problem with that as well is because the VCs themselves are not diverse. We often get, you know, I suppose there was a theory I think I read about the other day about how people invest in people that are similar to them. And therefore, you know, if if, uh, if the VC space is quite male dominated, then the investment that goes to these startup companies tend to go to people who remind them of themselves. So I'm not saying that there has not been more improvements. I know that there have been a push towards getting more women in VC, getting more women who are going to come in with a more diverse um, background and, and, and more diverse viewpoints in terms of deciding which startups to invest in so that's that's really good you know the thing um that we were talking about earlier andrea and Susie, about how female co-founders are saying that they need to find a male co-founder to raise funds that's not the first i've heard i've heard quite a few of these stories it's a bit sad that that's the case but i feel like there are programs now to push for that even with frank lab well not this year but last year we ran a female founder female founder frank lab so we only took in female founders and and we had the amazing support of one roof so and they they were really really good in providing us with some context of um what the environment is for many female founders trying to raise funds particularly now i think you know, slightly the concern is that we're supposedly heading into a recession and so there's going to be less money on available for investment and i think the, the problem here at the moment is that because women have uh, female founders have so far been disadvantaged um my concern is because of the economic economic environment they might be further disadvantaged but you know there is hope there are programs there are people and i'm really really glad to hear andrea that in the agriculture sector that has not been the case so i'm really excited for Absolutely. your first for your first cap race me too thank you yeah. And uh, let's keep generating that hope. Andrea, can you maybe tell us about a particularly innovative project that you've worked on and uh, what inspired you to pursue it? Yeah, so over the past four years, I've led a project called the Soil Tech Project, which was um, funded by the federal government through a Lancare Smart Farming Partnership grant. And there was three other partners in the project. And what we did was to use agile development and user-centered design to translate existing University of Sydney soil science into basically into technology, into a set of algorithms, which allow us to digitally map soil at paddock and farm scale. So yeah, and I'm now commercializing the IP, the IP that came out of that project with a digital ag startup called Digisoil. So that's been, that was an, an amazing project. And obviously, you know, so the COVID years were in the middle of all of that. So we had lots of ups and downs, but we did manage to, you know, to produce something that was quite amazing. In terms of what inspired me, well, you know, it's one of those projects that I can honestly say feels like all of my previous experience and knowledge sort of came together and culminated in that project. You know, as I said, I I came from a farm and actually I, I realised during this project that I had, you know, a part of my inspiration was just from driving around with my dad in the ute across the paddock and him talking about the different soil. And to me, it just all looked the same. And I just thought, wow, he has all of this innate knowledge and how do we capture that and pass that on to future generations? And so for me, the obvious answer is that you do that with technology. So, you know, I had 15 years in product development and marketing in IT, telecom media, and then I worked in sustainable development with a specific focus on soil science and soil policy. And that combined with my deep passion for agriculture and my sort of skill set in building teams and running multidisciplinary projects 
um, brought all of that together. So one of the goals of the projects of the project was to discover whether we could use new startup approaches, specifically user-centered design and agile development to translate existing science into technology. And the answer to that is yes, we can. Um, so it's a bit of a, an exemplar, I think, for how we could take all of the amazing agricultural research that we do in Australia and actually then bring it into, you know, to turn it into technology that can be used on farms. So I'm now commercialising that IP in the, in the startup. And I'm, as I said, I'm about to do my first capital raise. So, yeah. It is, I think it is so interesting what you're doing. And I love that, if I dare say, that you are doing this in a space that I think would uh, traditionally, most people would associate with males. Like when people think of farming, I, I would say a lot of people picture in their heads men on farms yeah in a very it's very simplistic but yeah so I love that you are spearheading this in a sector that yeah I I would say has traditionally been regarded as a male dominated sector so on that note could you perhaps um, share with me as a female in that sector uh, your thoughts on the importance of diversity and inclusion particularly particularly of women in the agricultural sector and in ag tech and, and how it contributes to innovation? Yeah, well, you know, as I've said, I, I don't have any sense that women are being held back specifically in the ag tech sector, but I think that reflects a different culture in agriculture in general. And yeah, I, I guess at one level you can look at agriculture and think, well, it's all being run by male farmers, but it, probably helps a little bit to dig into some of the demographics of of Australian agriculture, which is made up of around 85,000 agricultural businesses. It's now a um, around about a, a, a $65, $70 billion per annum. So, you know, a significant industry, 85,000 agricultural businesses, 99% of those businesses are family owned. And a great many of them are multi-generational family businesses. And I think that's where um, this kind of different culture comes in, because in those family businesses, you know, women are actively involved in the increasingly women are running the business, children are born into those families and, and they're, you know, so the next generation comes along and are just naturally, are more naturally a part of the business on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you tend to live on the farm and the farm is going on all around you and um, you know, as soon as kids can, they they start doing chores or jobs on the farm. And so they're, they're just naturally a part of it. And often for people that have grown up on farms, that's part of the memories, you know, the deep memories they have of their childhood and so forth. And so a number of years ago, I've, one of the women that I do follow in this sort of gender equality space is a woman called Anne-Marie Slaughter, who, you know, fam- famously wrote an essay in The Atlantic saying that, you know, women sort of challenging the idea that you can have women can have it all not that you can't have it all but you can have it all at the same time you know and really it comes down to you know the tension that comes in when you when you're a carer as well as as being you know a businesswoman or 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 working woman or having a career and and um subsequent to that essay she wrote a couple of books and one of them she did research all over the world that was looking at different models of care and she discovered or she sort of yeah realized that farming families have this unique care sharing model. Um, 
And it was a light bulb moment for me when I read it because it really just resonated so much with how I'd been brought up and, and really how my whole attitude was towards, you know, just being part of the business. Um, and it really resonated. So it's certainly how I was brought up. Some of my earliest memories are, you know, at, at, at being out with dad in the ute, you know, feeding the sheep or helping take the smoker up for the shearers or sweeping the board when they're shearing, um, you know, heading in the truck to market. So, you know, when it worked, we'd go out with dad as much as we'd be home with mum. And there certainly wasn't any gender bias when it came to the chores. You know, everyone just got on with it. Um, so I was relating this sort of, you know, light bulb moment to one of the young innovative farmers that I know. And he told me that when their second child came along, the toddler would be home with his wife and he'd have the baby in the capsule with him in the tractor. And, you know, when she woke up for feed, he'd feed her a bottle and then, you know, put her back to sleep and off they'd go again in the tractor. And I just thought, well, that's that's it right there. <laughs> Who's ever heard of, awesome. you know, daddy daycare on a tractor, you know? Um, I think a lot of working mothers would, would appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And that's the sort of share model that's, that just goes on there. And it's just, and I've got so many examples that I can give of that. So it really just resonated with me. And I think that's created this sort of culture of inclusion that it's just, it's just there. There's, there's just a different culture on the gender divide in farming businesses. And so, you know, I think that then flows through to the expectations of what young women, you know, from farming families can do. Like you just, you just get on with it, you know, career-wise you go and pursue what you're going to pursue, just as well as, you know, the men are. Um, and I do agree that there's, you know, there are, there has been a tradition in the past, and I'm certainly of this generation, uh, where, you know, the farm was going to be passed on to the sons and not the daughters. But putting that aside, I think, you know, the day-to-day -day reality is that, you know, there's just not that sort of gender divide. So I think the culture is just much more inclusive by its very nature. That's, um, it's a really interesting perspective, actually. And I'm curious in having told us just then about sort of the unique benefits that women in agriculture have in, in terms of that sort of family sharing scenario, yes. you know, caregiving sharing arrangement. Could you tell me then what uh, challenges women in agriculture and the agitech sector uh, might face? and how those challenges might be overcome. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, we're, we're actually seeing an absolute explosion in innovation in rural areas with so many women of all ages really taking advantage of increased connectivity in the bush, which has brought them right up close to their markets. And so I think the, the biggest challenge is isolation. You know, it's, it's um, isolation from you know, the sort of, you know, services or technologies or um, capital, for example, or support services around building an ag tech service that are in cities. But, you know, that divide's really closed a lot over the, over the recent years because there's lots of different programs now to encourage women in the bush to be innovative. And, you know, a lot of this is based on technology, the development of digital internet-based platforms and businesses. And, you know, women are just doing amazing things. So, you know, I think just getting back to the, you know, what the issue is in terms of, you know, what they need to overcome at a very practical level, it's, I think it just boils down to connectivity in rural and remote areas. And there's still many areas where connectivity is just not there to support business activities. And that includes far the farming business, you know, women having to go or men having to go into town to get internet connectivity to do their banking, for example. You know, I co-chaired a working group for um, the Australian Broadband Advisory Council about 
18 months ago, and we set out to answer the question about whether there was a threshold of connectivity that's holding back digital agriculture, and the, the answer was yes, there is. And we we named the problem salt and pepper connectivity, which is basically when you know when you're driving along a country road, you'll experience this because your core will drop out, and you know you'll just wait for a kilometer or a couple of kilometers, and then it'll come back in again. But you know that that salt and pepper connectivity is sitting there in situ and it's stretching between small towns and across paddocks and so that salt and pepper connectivity is holding back digital agriculture so getting connectivity in the bush is key not only for businesses that are being run from the bush but also for digital agriculture applications to work properly on farms and in remote locations so I'd say that once we get that level of connectivity and it's happening and it's happening really you know that salt and pepper is getting filled in through lots of different means um, then we just have an equal playing field for women or for anybody really that yeah. wants to set up a digital business in the bush and they're going for it. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. Um, and as a person who who's ha- comes from a family background as well, I appreciate the salt and pep connectivity issue and uh, no, it'd be great if that could be solved as soon as possible. Yeah. And- when, you say, when you say that to, a, to anybody in the bush, you don't, you just say it and they just nod. You know, yeah. Immediate, immediate oh, yeah. Anyone who has uh, tried to make a phone call from uh, rural land knows what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it's a hoot. So, Jasmine, more broadly, how do you think that the tech industry can better support and uplift women leaders and 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 especially those from underrepresented groups? I think the first thing is let them be seen. We think of tech as being something new, but women have been involved in tech and STEM since time immemorial. They just have have not had quite as much exposure as men. I mean, if you think about it, there was Marie Curie who discovered radium and polonium back in the late 1800s. In the late 1930s to 40s, you have Hollywood actress Hedy Lamarr who invented frequency hopping, which is the technology really behind Wi-Fi, Bluetooth and GPS. Back then, society valued her beauty over her brains, less so now, but that approach to to determining the value of a woman is still prevalent in some parts of society today. Um, More recently, we have Jennifer Doudna, who pioneered the revolutionary gene editing technology, CRISPR. And, And, you know, we all know who Elon Musk is, and we've all heard about SpaceX. But did you know that behind the success of SpaceX is its president and COO, a woman called Gwyn Shotwell? So I think like, you know, it just make, make sure that they're seen. Like the invisibility, I think, is even more prevalent in underrepresented groups such as minorities. So films such as Hidden Figures, I don't know if you've seen it. They follow the Great true film. Yeah, they follow the true story of three African-American women, Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughan, Mary Jackson, who worked for NASA during the space race era. And I think that sort of exposure helps highlight the contributions of women and underrepresented groups in text. And I think we have to keep doing that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, we've been here just as long as men. <laughs> Let us be seen. So I'll throw it to the ground as to who wants to answer this question. But how do you see the role of, uh, on the topic of sort of being seen, how do you see the role of education and mentorship in empowering women to pursue careers in tech and leadership positions? I, th- I think I'll jump in on this one. I think education and mentorship is really important for women to pursue careers in tech and to assume leadership positions. I myself have had inspiring mentors who are wonderful men. However, I also think that women need more than that. I think women also need sponsorship. 
And it's all well and good having a coffee every now and then to talk about a person's experience, but it's another thing to be referred business, to be put up for promotion and to be backed and financed in an investment pitch over buddies some people play golf with. So I'd like to see more of that, I think. And I think that that could be something that would help empower women to pursue careers in tech and leadership positions. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Andrea, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Oh, I totally agree. I think that's, yeah, that concept of sponsorship is a really strong one. And I'd, I'd love to see that as well. You know, we've Especially got, as you're going into your cap race coming yeah, up. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's quite, um, it's daunting. I, ha- I have to be honest. Yeah, it's really daunting. Fair. And it's, uh, yeah, having, I've actually thought about this recently, that it would just be great to have someone that kind of goes on that journey with you. And anyway, that's, I, I think that's a, a nice concept. Um yeah, and totally agree with the with the idea of mentorship, obviously. And you know, in the ag sector, there's a lot of great programs that are now going on to support women in rural and regional areas, not only to innovate, but also to step into leadership. So we've, you know, the National Farmers Federation, which I was a member of a board member for for a number of years and have led, led a couple of programs there, has its diversity and leadership program, which is now in its fifth year, which is incredibly well supported by the agribusiness um, and the food sector and amazing women coming through there. Um, AgriFutures runs the Rural Women, Women's Award that's been running for quite a number of years. And I've been the judge on the FMC Lead Scholarship Program and just watch, you know, just some of the applicants that are coming through there are just incredible. And so there's a lot going on in that space. And I think this is supported, supports fl- uh, flowing through to the ag tech sector as well. So, you know, for any woman who wants to start an ag tech digital agriculture business there's lots of good role models and there's good programs for support but yeah I think going that that extra step Jasmine as you're saying and actually having someone that comes alongside and um, helps to sponsor you through the process I think would be that's yeah that would be amazing yeah no absolutely so Andrea sort of on the back of that uh, more specifically could you perhaps share your advice for young women aspiring to become leaders in in ag tech and how they can pave the way for ideally a more equitable industry yeah so i just encourage any young woman who wants to get involved not only in ag tech but also in agriculture or in digital agriculture or to do their own ag tech startup just go for it the ag sector is so happy to have you there are so many programs that you can tap into Um, You know, go and talk to women who have been on the same journey, go to the industry events, be bold, you know, go and just seek out the the women or anybody really, the men as well that you want to talk to and, and just go for it and you'll find your place. Yeah. On that note, because I know a lot of people and and probably women in particular, uh, just because, just cause. (laughs) (laughs) For, for the reason we're, we're having this discussion today. Are there any particular, I'm always, I'm always one for practical tips. Are there any particular women's networks, uh, Andrea, in the sort of edge tech space that you would recommend that oh, you've can... tapped into? Sorry to put you on the spot there. Yeah. So the NFF, um, Women in Diversity, Diversity and Leadership Program is a wonderful network. You know, I think that any any of those programs that I mentioned before tends to have an alumni factor to it. So once you've connected in with those programs, then, you know, you're going to come out the other end with, with a nice network of 
of people. Yeah. So, and there's there's other there are other ag tech accelerated programs. Uh, Farmers to Founders is one, for example, that that does some nice uh, some good programs. And I, th- I think it's just about you know getting involved in some of those things, which then creates its own. You, you start to create your own networks. Yeah. No. Great. And I think overall. And Jasmine, I might go back to you on this one. What actions do you believe individuals, organisations and society as a whole can take to further progress a gender equal future in tech? Mm. In this, and I think it's applicable not just in tech, but just life in general, just like to borrow a saying from the late and great RBG. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, where she said, I ask no favour of my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. You know, honestly, things such as equal pay for equal work should not be an issue that is still up for debate. Progress should never be taken for granted. What we have can still be taken away. Simply look at the reversal of the decision in Roe v. Wade. The thing is, DNI is not just about diversity. It's also about inclusion. So my advice is don't tokenize women include us, embrace us, and trust that we are not limited by our gender in being able to get the job done. Couldn't agree more. And I, I, even more so, I absolutely agree that it is, although the topic, the, the, our feature today is, is women in tech, it is such a bigger issue. It goes so far beyond the tech industry. And I, I totally agree with you. Jasmine, obviously being a female myself, get us in there. And yeah. and 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 on that note, I don't. It's not about uh, women being better than men either. I, I don't think that that's that's the position, or certainly not the position we're taking or I'm taking. Mm. I think you need both sexes, but equality is sort of bare basic starting point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Andrea, thoughts, feelings, comments? Yeah. So I hope that I'm right on this. I think I think that sort of culture of inclusion in agriculture has flowed through to ag tech. Um, and it's, you know, it's quite, a, it's a subtle thing. It's a, it, it's a subtle culture to recognise and to understand. So I think, you know, just for the wider tech community, you know, maybe observe that and have a look at how that culture of inclusion in agriculture is flowing through into the ag tech sector also you know look at the many leadership programs that are being offered and the way that women are being encouraged to you know step into leadership in agriculture and 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 in digital agriculture as well and for everybody just to know that agriculture needs young women and not just young women and not so young women (laughs) as well as men to enter the industry so you know, I certainly hope that I never hear a story of a woman being knocked back for funding of her ag tech startup because she doesn't have a male co-founder. No. I hope I don't hear that story. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Uh, as I said that at the beginning, it shouldn't be a statistic, uh, that, that, that 2%. It's, it's quite ridiculous, if you ask me. But no. Well, here is hoping. And I do, I'm I'm a believer that that, that uh, the future is bright. I think it is heading, I think we are heading in the right direction. Yeah. Which which is a which is all you can ask for Absolutely. at this point. Yeah. Um, I think so, there's a lot we can learn from the ag tech industry as well. So thank you for that, that for sharing Andrea. And also yeah I do believe Susie that we are heading down the right path. So Yours is a yours is a great story, Andrea. I'm so glad that we had you on today. And unfortunately 
for me and everyone listening, we have to wrap it up today. We've run out of time. But thank you so much, Andrea and Jasmine, for joining me today to discuss, as we say, what continues to be a very interesting topic. Uh, it would seem, in conclusion, that despite innovation's ability to transform lives, many barriers to equality remain, but uh, hopefully we will continue to make access to technology and education inclusive and one day dismantle these barriers altogether. So thanks everyone for listening today. As always, please get in touch with us. If you have any questions, you can find our details on our website, which is www.hallandwilcox.com.au or connect with us on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, which I'm certain that everyone did, then please rate, review or follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again and bye for now.